Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's poem is Longfellow's sonnet on Mrs. Kimball's readings from Shakespeare. The title pretty much explains the poem. Beginning in 1849, the English actress Fanny Kimball toured the major cities of the American Eastern Seaboard, presenting solo platform performances of edited versions of Shakespeare's plays, in which she read all the parts. She had toured America with her actor father 15 years earlier, performing on stage in the female roles in plays not only by Shakespeare, but by a range of other playwrights, often in dramas in which hers were the main characters. She had become a celebrity during that tour, the first of her kind in America, and so had a ready audience eager to see her when she returned. Longfellow went to see her nearly every evening during her Boston engagement. His enthusiasm and admiration for her performances are expressed in this sonnet. Choosing the sonnet form, Longfellow had to compress his thoughts and feelings into 14 lines, which he does with real force. The first eight lines present the experience of being in the audience, thrilled by the performances, merging his praise of Kimball with his praise of Shakespeare. In the final six lines, he addresses both Kimball and Shakespeare directly, addressing first Kimball as, O happy reader, and then Shakespeare as, O happy poet. Let's listen. Sonnet on Mrs. Kimball's Readings from Shakespeare by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow O precious evenings, all too swiftly sped, leaving us heirs to amplest heritages of all the best thoughts of the greatest sages and giving tongue unto the silent dead. How our hearts glowed and trembled as she read, interpreting by tones the wondrous pages of the great poet who foreruns the ages, anticipating all that shall be said. O happy reader, having for thy text the magic book, whose sibilant leaves have caught the rarest essence of all human thought. O happy poet, by no critic vexed, how must thy listening spirit now rejoice to be interpreted by such a voice? Kimball didn't originate the solo platform performance of Shakespeare's plays. Her father had done it himself in London for two years, just prior to her solo tour of America. She was the first woman to do it, however. In addition, she took the form further than any before her or since, eventually performing 25 of Shakespeare's 36 plays. In doing so, she played an extraordinary range of roles, base villains and noble heroes, outcasts and usurpers, queens and kings, daughters and sons and fathers and mothers, tragic figures and comic figures, lead characters and secondary characters, more roles than have been performed by any other actor in the history of Shakespeare performance calling on an unparalleled range of dramatic skill and human sympathy. Perhaps most significantly, she played both male and female roles. But while her range is unique in the history of the stage, it's a range available to all of us as readers of Shakespeare. 
When I and my students read the plays together in class, I didn't assign roles by gender, either for myself or my students. This is one of the great pleasures of reading Shakespeare, particularly reading Shakespeare aloud, which I always encouraged my students to do even when studying on their own. The ability to set our genders aside for a time, as well as our particular fortunes in life. It's a great respite, and when we return to ourselves, we return as larger souls. The English poet John Dryden said of Shakespeare that, of all poets, ancient or modern, he had the largest and most comprehensive soul. In performing so many parts in so many plays, Kimball, too, no doubt came to possess a wonderfully large and comprehensive soul. Let's listen to Longfellow's praise of her performances again. Sonnet on Mrs. Kimball's Readings from Shakespeare by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow O precious evenings, all too swiftly sped, leaving us heirs to amplest heritages of all the best thoughts of the greatest sages, and giving tongue unto the silent dead. How our hearts glowed and trembled as she read, interpreting by tones the wondrous pages of the great poet who foreruns the ages, anticipating all that shall be said. O happy reader, having for thy text the magic book whose sibilant leaves have caught the rarest essence of all human thought. O happy poet, by no critic vexed, how must thy listening spirit now rejoice to be interpreted by such a voice? The name Fanny Kimball may be familiar to some of you in another context. During her earlier American tour with her father, Fanny met during their run in Philadelphia an attractive and wealthy young man named Pierce Mees Butler, whose grandfather had represented South Carolina at the U.S. Constitutional Convention in 1787. After the completion of the tour, Fanny retired from the stage and married Butler. They lived well in Philadelphia, and it was only when she accompanied Butler on a visit to his family's plantations in Georgia some four years after their marriage that she learned that the source of his wealth was slave labor. His grandfather, it turned out, had written and promoted the passages in the U.S. Constitution, not only preserving slavery in the United States, but giving the slave states disproportionate power in American political life. Fanny and her husband had a bitter falling out, not just over the cruel treatment of his family's hundreds of slaves, but his profligacy and infidelity as well. They eventually separated, and Fanny returned to England. It was to restore her finances that she undertook her reading tour of America. While touring, she and her husband went through a bitter and very public divorce, which was uncommon and scandalous at the time. As was the usual practice at that time, her husband was given custody of their two daughters, and Fanny didn't see them again until they reached their majority. Such was the public sympathy for Fanny and her strong arguments in her own cause that she helped turn divorce in America to a process that better considered the rights of women, leading more to come forward for their own rights. She also was outspoken in favor of the abolition of slavery, 
and in the midst of the Civil War, she published in England a volume entitled Journal of a Residence on a Georgia Plantation in 1838-1839, part of the campaign to keep England from entering the war on the side of the Confederacy. Her former husband, meanwhile, had gotten himself so far in debt gambling that he was forced to hold the largest auction of human beings in American history, selling 436 men, women, and children in 1859, just two years before the war. When Longfellow hosted a dinner party for Kimball during her Boston readings, she was thus esteemed as a feminist and abolitionist as well as actress. Longfellow doesn't allude to these aspects of her life in his sonnet on Mrs. Kimball's readings from Shakespeare, which he read to the assembled guests after the dinner, but no doubt they were accounted for in the applause that followed. Kimball held Longfellow in similar high regard. As an encore after many of her performances, she returned to the platform to read the closing lines of Longfellow's The Building of the Ship, which had just been published, declaring not only her admiration for Longfellow, but for the United States as well, despite the great wrongs it was allowing and against which she was speaking out. I hope you enjoyed Longfellow's sonnet on Mrs. Kimball's readings from Shakespeare, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the fireside.